Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Where are you trying to get to? What's your destination? What's the result you're going for in this conversation? Like you said, you know, looking at the firewalk and and like pinning your eyes on that destination where you're going. Um, if if you can keep your mindset there. Welcome to JBD Team Talks with your host, Karen McMahon. During Team Talks, you get a chance to meet our JBD coaches as we discuss challenges and difficulties that are common to everyone facing divorce and provide you with tips and strategies to help you master the art of managing your thoughts, calming your emotions, and intentionally choosing your responses. And now for today's topic. The role of communication is so important that it's a key component in the practice of emotional intelligence. For those unaware, emotional intelligence is a combination of four skills, simply stated, self-awareness and self-management, social awareness and relationship management. Self-awareness and self-management are an ongoing practice of understanding what triggers us and what drives us, and then managing how we react or respond to life. Social awareness is about reading other people, and relationship management is all about interpersonal communication, and that is the focus of today's episode. When you communicate effectively, You have the ability to inspire, influence, and build bonds with others and to help others change, grow, develop, and resolve conflict. Navigating divorce creates an immense opportunity to notice and improve your communication skills. Your ability to communicate effectively with your ex, your children, loved ones, friends, family members, lawyers and court professionals, and everyone in between will inform the level of struggle or success you have through your divorce and with each relationship. Tony Robbins aptly stated once, to effectively communicate, we must realize that we are all different in the way we perceive the world and use that understanding as a guide to our communication with others. So that's what we're talking about today. With me today to discuss this skill are two of my dear friends and JBD coaches, Lisa Brick and Carrie Doubts. Welcome, Lisa and Carrie. Hello, Karen. Hello, Lisa. Carrie, Karen, it's great to be with you guys this afternoon. Yes. 
So let's dive in. You know, those of you listening, you've experienced this over and over again. You walk into a room to speak to your soon-to-be ex or your ex, and the conversation doesn't necessarily go the way you had hoped it would go, or you're engaged with your attorney and you're feeling triggered and uh, and things don't unfold in your desired way. And so today we really want to help you uh, notice what's going on and give you some tips and strategies to keep in mind as you communicate through your divorce. Carrie, you want to jump in and start us? Sure. You had talked about emotional intelligence and that is really the the thing that we are stretching to learn into and especially when we're talking about our communications the difficult communications that are part of a divorce and so the first step is that self-awareness that when something is being said or something is happening um, in the relationship space that you feel triggered. Just noticing that you feel triggered is the very first step. Oftentimes, we're way into reaction before we even take a step, take a breath and go, wow, I'm really triggered here. And so that is really the first space to step into of, in a way, understanding that the trigger is probably going to happen really to watch for it and just to be aware when it happens. Now, I know a lot of people can get into story too. Like, you know, I'm about to go and speak to my soon-to-be ex and she's going to X, Y, and Z. And so sometimes we actually create our own trigger and reactiveness in the stories that we've created about how we think it's going to unfold. Yeah, that's true. It's like we have a perceptual filter that filters everything that we hear, everything that we see, um, and we filter it towards that propensity of taking things personally. Absolutely. Right, right. And so as you're listening, that self-awareness piece uh, is really valuable for you to uh, do like a a self-assessment, you know, what are the statements that are said? Um, what's the setting that tends to trigger you or where you feel like a victim or where you feel powerless? And where do you notice that you tend to react? And just just that piece, that awareness of you is going to be key in unfolding better communication. Absolutely. And it's, it starts also with being aware in your own body, of what happens when I get triggered. I can feel the heat rising. I can feel my face flush. I can feel the nervous tension. I can feel the anger. You know, just where do you feel this in your body and get really familiar with what that feels like to be triggered. And you go, oh, all right, here, here I am. I'm about to be triggered. I'm about to react. And actually in 12-step program, there's a, a, an acronym called HALT. Um, And it stands for hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And so the idea is when our capacity is low, where we all naturally get triggered more. So if you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or all of the above, you're in dangerous territory. And that awareness of that and choosing to either tread carefully in the communication or, or postpone the communication if you don't feel like you can be effective in, in managing that conversation. 
Yeah. So you've actually gone straight into the self-management, which is that next piece. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's like having those strategies. And in... In Journey Beyond Divorce, one of the key things that we so often talk about is the difference between reacting, which is a knee-jerk emotional reaction, bypassing your logical mind and just something comes out of your mouth, versus responding, which is slowing things down and being more thoughtful. And so there's many different ways of self-managing, and one of them is noticing where we're at and then slowing down so that we can actually respond. And another piece is is listening, right? Because so often you go into a conversation and you, you're, you don't even want to hear what the other person has to say. You've got an agenda and you're trying to plow your agenda forward. And so you're, there's no... There's no time and space and curiosity to hear what the other person is saying. So again, the, the context of um, emotional intelligence, which is something that uh, is so valuable for all of us to grow in, is really understanding ourselves. And I know through my journey uh, through my divorce, I went from being uh, rather unconscious to much more aware of uh, how I'm wired and what my frailties or wounds are that are easily triggered and, and, and what my own shortcomings are. And so, so as you're thinking about whatever is coming next for you in in your divorce conversation, and so you may be uh, you may be just telling the children, or you may be starting mediation, or going in uh, going into the entire court process to be really clear on your sensitivities and where you tend to. Uh, I'm going to use the term "go off the rails." You know, engage where afterwards you go, yeah, that wasn't so helpful or effective, this is where you can really shift things uh, for yourself. And again, key is slowing it down. Yeah. And you'd mentioned, Karen, when we are starting to try to force our agenda, when we're not listening, what happens if the other person is doing that and we're on the receiving end of that? That's when we can really, again, just pay attention to what that feels like inside of our body. And if we get completely triggered to where we know I'm going to need to detach from this conversation for a little bit to give myself some distance from my emotional reaction to process that a little bit and then come back into the conversation. That is also a tool that I uh, tell my clients about because there's, there are times if you just a bomb just landed in your lap and you need that time to recover to sort of breathe yourself back into yourself, uh, get your your uh, frontal cortex working again, and then really engage in the conversation. So I tell people it's perfectly okay to just say, you know what, I recognize that I, I'm not able to have this conversation right now. I'll need to get back to you. Right. And it's like a timeout. And it also uh, enables us to practice boundaries. And if you're if you're engaged with someone who might be boundary oblivious and 
uh, this happened to me about a week ago and I, I was trying to set this boundary and the other person was like, no, 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 we have to keep on talking. And so there's that opportunity to be so clear of what you need. It's like, if this isn't going to go in any kind of productive way, if I continue, then you hold your boundary, you take your time. It's not about them. It's about you. And in the long run, um, that's going to serve you much better. And I think that's where we, so, so that's that whole self part, the self-awareness and the self-management. And then the second half is really getting into social awareness. And that's being aware of what the other person or people, um, what's going on with them. And if we're oblivious to that, if we're just coming in with our agenda and we want to plow it through, then, then we have no sense of who we're talking to and what where they're at and what their sensitivities are. And, you know, there's body language, there's tone of face, there's so many ways of reading uh, another person or a group of people and and then managing how you interact with them. And that's the second half. Yeah, absolutely. The, the social awareness, picking up the cues, picking up the... Uh, you know, you could almost say reading the energy of the room, reading it, the energy of the space, of the conversation, and being um, able to navigate in that awareness of there's there's something a little there's a little heat over here coming towards me there's a little bit of anxiety over here that is uh getting in the way of our communication and so being aware of what the other is person is, is feeling when you're saying something perhaps you're really trying to deliver some information that's important for them to know so another skill to use is perception checking to make sure that uh, the other person, that the message that you delivered was the message that they heard. So sometimes it, it's really just, uh, you know, what did you hear me say there? I just want to make sure that, that we're on the same page here. Right. And I do that so often when I do couples coaching, before you can respond to your spouse, I want you to just reflect back what you heard that person say. And that's when we start seeing our filters. And it's like, and I had this couple recently, and it was fascinating that what she thought her spouse said was not at all what I heard him say. And uh, and and there was this this real pause and appreciation that they got really clear on the conversation before they engaged in it. And so when you can do that, uh, that's incredibly helpful. Uh, and, and I want to say the other thing I want to say was I was watching a movie with my mom last night and it was a couple that was on the verge of um, divorce. I'm not remembering the name of the movie. It was Bruce Willis and Michelle Pfeiffer. And they just started throwing these emotional bombs and they started out all warm and fuzzy. And within moments, you know, this one's accusing and that one's blaming and, and the whole thing dissolved. And I think that if you're listening, you've probably experienced that um, many times. And we're really hoping that this helps um, change that. And, and even if one person comes with awareness and management, it can go a long way to to smooth and calm and and allow for more effective communication. 
and their spouse always seemed to be fighting, but nothing was ever resolved. Their spouse would constantly blame them, unwilling to take any responsibility. Joe lived in the tension of walking on eggshells, doubting themselves, and over time, they became unhinged, angry, and triggered, struggling further with shame and self-condemnation. Their reactivity was used as proof that they were the problem. If you're in a relationship or marriage filled with conflict and blame, and you're wondering, is this normal or could it be toxic? Take the quiz and find out how toxic your relationship is. Go to journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash toxic quiz and find out today. I think it's important that people realize they have the option of not responding. Like if you're in the midst of something that is hard to hear from your significant other, to let that person know that you're listening, but say, I'm going to think about what you said. And you might be fuming inside. There might be smoke coming out of your ears. But truly, there are times when the best action is to take absolutely no action to understand what you're hearing. And after it's over, take a look at, am I hearing it accurately? What do I really want out of this situation? And then crafting a conversation, knowing, and we'll get to this when we begin to talk about effective communication, um, knowing sort of how your spouse listens uh, to get to the actionable steps that you're hoping to get to rather than being right about something or making them wrong or shaming them or taking revenge from the past. So nothing temporarily is often the best uh, route of action. And I think for the people listening who might have felt um, bullied in your relationship, like what what comes to mind for me, Lisa, as you're saying that is um, this assumption that that you have to respond and agree or disagree. And so I love that what you're saying is just because there's communication going on doesn't mean you have to come to your decision on that topic and share it you can just listen and say i hear you or even reflect back what you hear and and that's it and and you need time to process and and figure out what you think about that and that's perfectly fine too and i think that a lot of people don't think that and so they jump and they say something that they regret later yeah and that adds fuel to the fire so very often if you're of the opinion that you know how your spouse is going to react, part of that knowing is how you're presenting, not realizing that there are there's an approach you're taking that elicits a similar response or reaction from the spouse. 
And if you can get that and you can be quiet for a bit and, and just not listen as you're hearing truth, but listen to just absorb what they're saying and not respond in that moment, there's a good chance that when you do craft a response, you may get a really unpredictable outcome rather than this predictable, oh, I know what he or she's going to say. I think that there's that he always, she always um, mindset, especially when you're divorcing and you're already like done with this other person. And, um, and one of the things we so often talk to our clients about is letting go of judgment and bringing in curiosity. And it's like, if you think you always know what he or she is always going to say, you're generally in the wrong neighborhood and you're, you're going to be, um, uh, creating roadblocks in the kind of communication that could lead to solution and, and more effective conversations. And, yeah. and Lisa, I would love for you to jump in with um, the whole concept of uh, of uh, the firewalk and, and preparing uh, ahead of time for what you're entering. A number of years ago, you mentioned Tony Robbins at the beginning of, of uh this discussion and I did one of Tony's workshops and part of it was the firewalk. And as you're seeing this, I guess it's 10, 15 feet of burning hot coals. And as you get closer to it, you can feel the fire, you can feel the heat and you're barefoot. You're about to go over it. And there's a way to prepare yourself to knowing that you're, you're about to engage with hot coals and it's very important to be crystal clear that you're just going to move through it evenly and quickly. And you're not going to pick up any of the coals. You're not going to try to put them out. You're just going to be aware of them as you move through it and get to the other side. And I think in interactions with a spouse, particularly when you know it can often explode, that you can approach going into that room or picking up that telephone as if you're approaching a firewalk and know in advance to have a plan for not engaging with the fire, but for having a clear outcome and staying cool and moving forward. And so you don't get, you don't get blisters and you don't get burned and you certainly don't stumble and fall in the midst of it. So, I, I've, I've, sorry, this is so great because you said something so important that um, is helpful when working with a client. Where are you trying to get to? What's your destination? What's the result you're going for in this conversation? Like you said, you know, looking at the firewalk and and you know, pinning your eyes on that destination where you're going. Um, if if you can keep your mindset there and like you said don't pick up the coals don't um engage with the heat if if you're dealing with somebody who uh has a bullying pattern that you can really just 
I don't need to engage with that. I don't need to give that any energy. I don't need to um, defend myself. I don't need to be right. I don't need to uh, get them to stop even. They're, they're going to do what they do. But you just keep your eyes on what is the result I want from this conversation. And I would add to that that uh, what we have control over is our efforts. So what do I want to say? How do I want to communicate? How do I want to show up? The outcome is not always within our control. And so when you're deciding where you want to go with that conversation. And it's like, it may not, that first conversation may not end up with where you want it to, but if you, or, and if you show up the way you want to show up and you say what you want to say, and you listen the way you want to listen and you present the energy you want to present, uh, that's where you have control. That's what you have control over. And that allows you to smoothly go through and not get, uh, get detoured by the other person's uh, issues or, or what they're th- throwing in the mix. I've had more than, go ahead. I've had more than one client recently who, who have had uh, um, surprises about their already agreed upon custody schedule for the holidays and in crafting communications with these clients, it's very easy to get angry uh, and to feel self-righteous that you know, you're hurting the kids, you're creating confusion, you're doing this, you shouldn't be, have the kids in the middle, versus being able to say, um, I will be picking up the children at such and such a time and dropping them off at such and such a time according to our mutual agreement in our custody agreement. And very often, if you can stick to that and not get lost in the coals and not stop there, uh, my, my clients this year have, have found that very, very effective. I, I won't say that a spouse and ex will always fall in place, but if you keep it clear and don't get emotional and don't sort of take the bait of, oh, you know, he told this to the kids. Now I have to do this. I have to change all my plans. It's so much easier. There's so much less pain and suffering. And sometimes you can eliminate 98% of it. There's always that tiny bit, but that's okay compared to what's possible getting rid of 98% of it is very, very helpful. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, you know, as we begin to wrap up, I would love to uh, leave our listeners with some uh, tips and strategies for, uh, for communicating more clearly as you enter 2021 and all that is before you. And so we had a podcast a number of months back with uh, two women from the High Conflict Institute. And one of the, uh, one of the strategies is called BIF, which I've been talking to people about for years. Bill Eddy uh, came up with this. It stands for Brief informative, firm, and friendly. And whether you're communicating verbally 
or through email or text, uh, not getting caught in the weeds, part of that is being very specific, being brief in what you have to say, not elaborating too much, informative, sharing whatever information is needed, no more, no less, firm, not wishy-washy in how you say it, and then friendly, no, no accusations, no shaming, nothing like that. And when you do that, your communication is very clear and concise, uh, and you leave less uh, bait on the table to, to uh, engage in, in uh, uh, unpleasant conversations. No. I've uh, I have a client that I've been working with um, with her communications. She's in a very contentious, very complex legal custody battle, and uh, Biff is the the that saving grace of how to because she would just kind of shut down. You know, she'd get these emails; they would be confusing. They would be hurtful. There would be all kinds of energy just dripping off of these communications. And rather than address the communication and respond that she would need to, she would just close it and try to ignore it. And so we would work together on, okay, if, if you were to come up with just the bare bones of what you need to say and ignore everything else, making it brief, making it just mm-hmm. sharing the information, making it friendly, not, like you said, taking the bait, not picking up the coals and playing with them, and uh, but firm, you know, just saying, per our agreement, this is the way it's going to be. That was that was so uh, she was able to start to craft these emails herself very quickly. Yeah. And I think that I think that when you've been in, again, the higher conflict uh, relationships and I'll speak from a we because I was uh, the tendency to defend the tendency to touch on all 15 points that were in the email that came in because you've been attacked in 15 points is huge. And yet the truth is, whatever the topic is, there's something very specific that you need to uh, state. And typically 14 of those 15 points don't have to be addressed. And so really staying on point. And, And to your point, Carrie, after you write, if it's an email or a text, Read it two or three times with Biff in mind, brief, informative, firm, and friendly, and you will be able to edit out more and more until you're so clear and concise and on point um, that that your communication is beautiful. And even share it, Karen. I found that initially it's very difficult for people to see their own hostility and what they're writing. So if you have a trusted family member, a friend, a coach, share the email and get a second perspective on have I biffed this? And then again, we haven't we haven't mentioned it, but have I made sure I'm avoiding the triple A's, which are uh, admonitions, giving advice and uh, apologies. That's right. So, Carrie, you want to say a little bit about the three A's? Sure. The oh, sorry, was it Care or Carrie? <laughs> Jump in, I Carrie. Take it, Carrie. Take it, Carrie. 
Well, the uh, the admonitions are just that. You should. You know, you shouldn't be. You know, it's like that f- wagging our finger at the other person and and trying to scold them in a way and trying to boundary or trying to uh, control them through your words. So admonitions and, of course, giving advice is, um, you know, in the same um, strain. And apologies, it's kind of like with a high conflict person, when you apologize uh, too much, it's like throwing gasoline on the fire. It's like handing them, you know, arrows to shoot at you later. So, you know, he just says, you know, be sure that the triple A's are also not in there because they're not needed and they're not going to have uh, the effect that you want in the communication. Knowing and and truly setting your mind to understand that the way you communicate is absolutely front and center in what's going to happen in and through your divorce with your children, with every relationship you have. And so we're going to talk more about emotional intelligence, too. I think it's like so vitally important. And so as you uh, as you leave this call, this podcast, keep in mind that you want to be looking in the mirror. You want to be taking a look at who you are, how you're wired, what your triggers are, um, and what drives you, what, what, what motivates you in a positive way. And you want to really start picking one at a time. Don't, don't try and like fix all of the issues you see at once. Pick one or two and work on them. I was just speaking to one of my adult children and uh, talking about how they always uh, jump in before I'm done speaking to either finish my sentence or what they have to say is more important than what I have to say. I did that for years. That was just one little thing that I could work on to improve my communication, bite my tongue, truly listen, hear what the other person has to say, what I had to say wasn't more important. So pick one thing that you do that you would like to change and, and start practicing that. Um, start paying attention to that social awareness. You know, how is your ex, their their energy or your child showing up? Is this a good time to have that conversation? And then how you choose to communicate and certainly keeping the triple A's, um, no apology, no admonition and no advice and Biff brief, informative, firm, and friendly. And that will take you a long way into communicating more effectively and walking away from conversations feeling better about yourself and how they went. You've been listening to our podcast, Getting Educated, Regulating Your Emotional Reactions, and it's been really helpful. Yet you know you could do better, be better, and you're wanting and needing more support. That's where our coaching service is a game changer. We're here for you when you need us the most, ensuring you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips, guiding and supporting you to be more effective. Our free rapid relief call helps you gain a broader perspective, commit to your best next steps, and determine what coaching support is right for you. 
Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call today. that another tool is doing nothing because we forget about that saying nothing in the moment doing nothing at the moment other than I heard what you said I'm going to give it thought and if you want your divorce to be a different dynamic than the dynamic you had during your marriage and this is true for people who are going to go on co-parenting with each other It behooves you to make the changes in yourself because if you haven't changed your your spouse in all the years you were married, you are not going to change them, but you can change yourself. And when you change yourself, you'd be surprised at how you can create a different relationship post-divorce and a healthy relationship than you had pre-divorce. Beautifully said. Yes. And it's so important if you have children to be modeling this kind of clear, compassionate, even uh, communication style so that they, you know, how it is with children, they learn by what they observe you doing much more than what you tell them to do or not do. This is very true. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.